you would please turn to Isaiah chapter 2. Last Lord's Day, we ended on a high note. In Isaiah chapter 2, at the beginning, we've got a word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days, or in just later days, that the mountain of the house of Yahweh shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it, and many peoples shall come and say, Let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem, he shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. A vision of a positive future. And we talk some about how, when is this going to happen? And this has started essentially in Christ. Uh, it takes a major turn with the next verse. I want to start by going through the first, the next six or so verses. After that note, for you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of things from the east, and of fortune tellers like the Philistines, and they strike hands with the children of foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. So man is humbled, and each one is brought low. Do not forgive them. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust from before the terror of Yahweh and from the splendor of His majesty. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and Yahweh alone will be exalted in that day. We've got an oracle against the people. It comes in three pieces in this chapter. What we just read, uh, verses 12 through 17, is should probably see, be seen as a unit. And then 18 through 22. What we just read is the indictment. It's a discussion of what, what are the people doing. All right, what's going on there? The next one is about God. All right, and God's place in all of this. And then finally, it will be, well what's going to happen. All right. We'll wait on section 2 and section 3 for a second. You've got a critique of the people, and you've got a number of elements. I want you to think, and I want you to discuss with those around you. What's the problem? What's wrong? All right. And it's not just one thing. It's multiple things. Take a few minutes, read 6 through 11, talk with those around you, and, and what's the problem? With Judah. All right? Go ahead. Six through eleven. 
All right, let's discuss. What's their problems? What's their problems? Turned away from God. Okay. Uh, how do you know they turned away from God? What did they do? Okay. East. Foreigners. All right. Paganism. Okay. And what's what is the relationship with that? I mean, should we be afraid of everyone from the east? Like East Texas, I'm afraid of some people in East Texas. But um, let's be a little bit more specific. Why why is it potentially problematic? To hang out with, okay, forget the direction specifically, all right? What's problematic about potentially hanging out with people very different than you? Starting to be like them. Let's let's do a uh, fancy word. Okay. The influence can cause syncretism. All right. This would be where you have thoughts, you have ways of doing things, and you encounter other things, and your way just sort of shifts to be like that. That's not always bad, right? It's not always bad. Uh, syncretism can be very useful in some ways, because sometimes you're wrong, right? And aligning with someone else can totally be the right thing to do. Uh, but, of course, that's not what we're talking about here. He's not like, oh, well, you know, you... You started hanging out with the people in the East and they know math better, and so you got better at math because of this. this is, he's not talking about knowledge, per se. He's talking about syncretism, right? Religiously. Paganism. Okay? Not a healthy thing for them to do. Okay, what else is wrong here? Well, um, why would you say they are materialistic? Okay, silver and gold, horses, 
chariots. Let's break out horses and chariots. All right. Are we talking about, I have so much money, I have a stable in my backyard, and I could ride horses all day. Or, I can take my chariot down to Walmart. All right. This is not what we're talking about. What are we talking about here? We're talking about... Right. There is a materialistic aspect to this. There's also a... Well... Uh, materialistic and there is a militaristic, right? Very similar words. I was trying to say, i got to get this out. Materialistic and militaristic part of this, alright? And so, now, let's, if we think about the Old Covenant, alright, the Old Covenant was, alright, instituted as or having some elements of militaristic Right? Aspects, right? Doesn't it? Can we think of how? You gotta take the land and you gotta protect the land. Alright? David, the man after God's own heart, expanded, alright? Expanded the land, expanded the, uh, the influence of, of Israel and Judah, and that was okay, alright? So, militaristic per se was not a problem in the Old Covenant. So why is it a problem here, do you think? Because he is talking to the nation of, of Judah at this point, right? Okay. Okay. Now, was, was it David's, was David supposed to, t- to conquer the Chinese? No, he was not. They were, given the, they were given the promised land. There was a limit to what he was supposed to do. If you try to step out of those limits, all right? Being excessive, okay. Being excessive in terms of building up your military, in terms of a Yahwistic state, all right? Who's your defense? Who's your power? It's not your armies, ultimately, right? And we read about this in the, in the last chapter. It's... God, who is ultimately the defense. He will use the military, but it is ultimately God who is the defense. Because, as we saw in Isaiah 1, you know, why is it you sent a thousand, and they sent one, and they won? It doesn't make any sense. Why is it? It's because God, because I've given you over. Right? That was part of the critique of chapter 1. So an excessive buildup of military and an, and an excessive trust in military. All right? An excessive trust in the material side of the world, gold and silver, right? Dealing with the East, right? Now, recently, I think it was Bill who talked about the Queen of Sheba, right? From the East, came in, not a bad thing. Solomon dealt with her, not a bad thing, all right? At least not in an obvious way. Just her presence there was not a problem. We're talking about religious syncretism primarily here. This is the idolatrous aspect of it. Dealing with the East? Okay. Dealing with the East, bringing in their gods, leaving the worship of Yahweh? Not okay. All right? Now, we'll come back to that in just a second. So, I want to read that section again. Let's think through it before we move on. For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob. 
because they are full of things from the east and of fortune tellers like the Philistines. And they strike hands with the children of foreigners. Strike hands. You know, it's not like fist bumping. It's like making agreements, right? Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. So man is humbled, and each one is brought low. Do not forgive them. Right, wow. I mean, this is the prophet talking to God here. Enter, now he's switching, he's talking to the people. Enter into the rock. And hide in the dust from before the terror of Yahweh, from the splendor of his majesty. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled. And Yahweh alone will be exalted in that day. So in other words, all of this is pride. Right? Pride in money, pride in material wealth. Pride in we have the power. Pride in I don't need God. And as a matter of fact, I can make my own gods with my own hands. All aspects of pride. Second section. Let's read it. And this will be... 12, 17, uh, excuse me, 2, 17, uh, 12 through 17. And the reason why is if you look at the very end of verse 11, you've got, and Yahweh alone will be exalted in that day. You've got at the end of 17, and Yahweh alone will be exalted in that day. The poet prophet here is making a little section. Okay? We've talked about them. Let's talk about God. For Yahweh of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty against all that is lifted up and it shall be brought low against all the cedars of Lebanon lofty and lifted up and against all the oaks of Bashan against all the lofty mountains against all the uplifted hills against every high tower and against every fortified wall against all the ships of Tarshish and against all the beautiful craft and the haughtiness of men shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low, and Yahweh alone will be exalted in that day. Take a few minutes. Map what you see here to verses in the first section. All right? Discuss. Because this clearly is a reiteration in different words.
All right, let's talk about it. If we limit to our selection there, we're definitely missing something from the contrast, but what do we see comparing this to the previous one? What maps to what? I think the fortified, the fortified cities and all of that is like kind of military, like thinking you're going to defend you mm -hmm. without, mm -hmm. without God. It's not chariots and horses here. It's High towers and walls. Still very militaristic, right? So that's that's definitely there. All right, what else? Hmm? Oh, yeah, let's see. What, what were you going to say? The lofty looks are going to be bowed down, right? That was a major point. Like, so man is humbled and each one is brought low, for sure. What else? Speak to money and material, right? Um, now we're switching directions, though. Tarshish is far west, all right? We're not east. We're talking western Mediterranean somewhere, all right? And so that's where all the trade's coming from. If you're, if you're in Israel and there's ship trade, it's not, it's not from India. It's going to be from way over there, from the Phoenicians and the, and the Palestinians, essentially, all right? Um, okay, so trade, money, all right? That's there. What else is there? There is. And you're also going to see that with, I, I think, I, I map specifically the uh, cedars, all right? The cedars of Lebanon and the oaks of, of Bashan there. Because you probably noticed some, um, like, or remember some things from, like, Solomon's reign, especially, or even David's, where they're like, yes, we love you, Israel. Here's a bunch of trees, all right? Which is going to be, a, like we think about, I mean, why would we care about that? I mean, we have tons of trees in Texas. They didn't necessarily, right? And also, remember, a different world, right? If we, let's, we have lots of pines in East Texas. Let's go back to East Texas, right? We got lots of pines in East Texas, all right? You cut a lot of those down. What, how hard would it be to get a few of those really long, straight, tall pine trees all the way up to the north of the country? I mean, we have the machinery. It's not that big a deal. We do it all the time, all right? If you're in the ancient world and you want to get this huge, tall, heavy oak a few hundred miles, this is a major ordeal, all right? A major ordeal. And so this is not just, eh, yeah, we'll send you some trees. This is a, this is going to take thousands of people in a very long time to get all of this stuff. It is a major deal. And so... I do think this is very much like the, you know, dealing with the, of course, all of this is together. We don't need to make fine distinctions. But very much, let's deal with these other countries, and of course, there can be issues with that. What, what we're missing here, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Is the lofty mountains and up the hills, is that where they're worshiping their idols? 
other gardens and other things? Probably so, right? Because that's usually, as we've discussed, right? You go to high places and that's where you worship. Yeah. And I also think the idolatry part would also come in if we just include the next two verses, right? Making paragraph breaks are hard sometimes, right? If you just include, and the idols shall utterly pass away, and the people shall enter the caves of the rocks and the holes of the ground, from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of His majesty when He rises to terrify the earth, perhaps we should enlarge the section to include that, because then you get an even more obvious idolatry thing. But yes, mountains, I would definitely tie that with the idolatry aspect, yeah. Yeah. So getting rid of the fractions of religious beliefs. Yeah. Getting rid of this, the syncretism, all right? But the the primary contrast here is, right? Who is who is lifted up, all right? Who is lifted up? Okay. On that day, whatever that day is, all right, the, they're lifted up. On that day, the Lord alone will be lifted up, right? All of these things are ultimately a matter of pride, of human power, of human ability, all right? Which is ultimately going to get us here, but we're not there yet. That's the last section. And speaking of, let's read that last section. In that day, starting in verse 20, mankind will cast away their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, to the moles and to the bats, to enter the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliff, from before the terror of Yahweh, from the splendor of His majesty, when he rises to terrify the earth, stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath, for of what account is he? That, I think, is the takeaway. But I, let's, let's make sure we understand what's going on before we get to the takeaway. All right? In that day. What is that day? Yes, Chip? Erica, NIV in chat, verse 22 says, Stop trusting in man. Mm-hmm. Is that I don't know. Let's get to that. What is that day? What is that day? Is it like Is it the second coming? Is it Armageddon? Right. Depending on how you read this, all right, you're going to go one of different ways. I don't think it's that big. I actually think it's much smaller. Uh, I think it's more along the line with what you said. Uh, it's not the day. All right. It's that day. Which day? When Yahweh shows up and humbles. All right. 
let's go back and read through it. And let's, I want to think about some of the words and see how, how you render them and how you think about them does affect how global or not this, this, this thing is. In that day, mankind will cast away their idols. All right? All humans in the world will cast away their idols. All right? No, that's not what it's talking about. It's, it's, it's talking about them. All right? Just, it's just all these men. All right? All these people. All right? This is not an end of idolatry all over the world. In that day, all right? The people will cast away their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, to the moles and to the bats, to enter the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs. From before, and if we think about the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs, uh, for some people, all right, if this was global, it would actually be quite a feat for them to enter the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs because they don't have cliffs near them or, or caverns near them. You know who does? Judah, all right? Judah's got lots of these, so they can go there. And after all, who are we talking about? Verse 6, for you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, all right? For from before the terror of Yahweh and the splendor of his majesty, when he rises to terrify the land. All right? When he rises to terrify the entire earth. No. When he rises and terrifies the land. When he is coming to terrify Judah. All right? That's, I think, is local. The, the, the intent here is locally. Can it be applied globally? Can it be applied to second coming? Absolutely. Because God will, in fact, humble all of mankind. Um, I think this is very specific. Right? This is one of the many days of the Lord, where, the, where the, in the day of the Lord, He will come and He will humble mankind, all the, that, that He is judging at that time. So I do think it is a little bit more local. Okay, so now that we know what that day is, all right, and what day is that? And I think for Judah, this is going to happen multiple times. All right, this is going to happen with Nebuchadnezzar. Right, this is going to happen when the Babylonians take them into exile. But you know what's going to happen before that? It's going to happen when the Assyrians come and mess with Judah and surround them. Right, and almost wipes them out. God is humbling them, and He's going to humble them all of the time. If we think about to the judges, it was a constant series of God humbling the people. All right. Those are all little days of Yahweh. So, talking about Judah here, this is what we're discussing. Now let's go and think through how this is actually going to work out. So in that day, mankind will cast away their idols of silver, their idols of gold, which they have made for themselves to worship, to the moles and to the bats, to enter the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs, before the terror, the terror of Yahweh. Help me with this scene. What is this scene? All right. How does this make sense as a scene? It doesn't make sense for me as a scene here. I don't have a good supply of, of, of caverns with moles and bats. All right. Or even cliffs. Maybe it, uh, there's a scene of them fleeing with their animals to try to go hide in the cave and just running some passengers, throwing their idols away because they can't help them. Right. This is, what what is, is, all right, when we think about the terror of the Lord, all right, God uses means. What is the terror of the Lord? It's that situation. It's not God appearing visibly, all right, all right, some sort of 
Christophic manifestation. All right? It's not that. What's the terror of the Lord? I'm sending these people to crush you. All right? That's what we're talking about here, the judgment of God and how he uses all the time all right? various peoples to deal with the problem of sin within his people, just as he uses lots of things in your life to deal with your problems. All right? same, same idea. The terror of the Lord here is they're going to kill us. Let's grab what we think is our, most, uh, our best stuff. What's our best stuff? That idol I covered in gold. I'm going to pick that thing up and run. And so you imagine, right? We've got to get out of town fast. We're just going to grab what we can. All right? We're going to go grab our most expensive stuff. And let's get out of here. Okay? Well, let's paint this picture a little bit more. So they're, they're heading out of Jerusalem. Where do you go? Right? If Assyria is coming from the north and they're wanting to kill you, put you on stakes to you know, show how weak you are and just impel you and you're dead. Right? What do you do? You grab your stuff, you leave. What's next? You run south if they're coming from the north and go hide somewhere where they... You know the land better than they do, so hide somewhere. Yes, you can totally hide from them because they don't know the land, but you do because you grew up playing in these mountains, okay? So you go, I, I know a cave, I'm going to go, all right? Now, I think part of the time, you're doing exactly what you said, Edward. You're, you're, you're going, you, you think, I can get all of this stuff and get away. And after a while, you're like, I'm tired because I'm carrying way too much heavy metal. So maybe you throw it away. Or you go into these caves and maybe you realize that this is not going to work for you and you've got all your idols, all right? How do we fit, that's my question, how do you fit in the moles and the bats? They're in the caves, in the caves right? And where does all your most expensive stuff not belong? In, in a cave with bat guano and moles, all right? This is, this is not a good situation, all right? And so maybe you flee more and you're like, okay, I'm just going to leave my uh, really heavy idol right here and the moles can have my idol, right? So this is a scene of panic, all right? We had high towers. We had fortified walls. We had so many horses. We had so many chariots. Now we're like, I can't even carry all my stuff with me because I'm fleeing for my life. Okay, God little g-god here, you get to stay here in the cave while I flee for my life and try not to get killed. All right? And so that's the scene. This is the terror of the Lord all right, on all of these people. So, verse 22. Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. For of what account is he? If you would turn to Psalm 146. This is a parallel, but I don't think it's an exact parallel. It's a close parallel at the very least. Psalm 146. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh, O my soul. I will praise Yahweh as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. 
Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. All right. So that's that. Isaiah. Very similar, right? Very much overlap. All right. We have mostly here a very different... Well, we're talking to a different person here. All right? You've got this faithful psalmist making a song. All right? Here you do not have the faithful psalmist telling, hey, faithful ones, let's do this. This is Isaiah. All right? This is Isaiah talking to the wicked. All right? Stop. What did NIV say? Trusting in? Stop trusting in man. Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath, for of what account is he? What is in whose nostrils is breath? Why would we mention this? Why don't you just say, stop trusting a man? Okay. Okay. But why the breath? It, it, this is definitely right from God's breathing breath in, into mankind. Clearly a reference, yeah. Aren't there many places where it says God has fire in his nostrils? Mm. It just breath. Just has breath? That's interesting. I didn't connect those. Maybe so. I think it, it shows you that any kind of animation or spirit that man has comes from God. So there's nothing you have that you haven't been given. I mean, just like all this gold and everything that you have can be taken away in a, in a heartbeat. Like your very breath is contingent on God. Yeah, your very breath is contingent on God. What is? Why would you trust in man when man can so easily die? All right. He's he's mortal. All right. I'm, let's. I want to take um, Elliot. I'm going to take Elliot as an example. All right. Um, are you going to accomplish much in your life? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> did your mother just say no? I, I think you did. She did, yeah. Are you going to accomplish much in life? Uh, I don't know. Uh-huh. Gonna, how long are you going to be around? I don't know. You don't know? No, you don't know? like 70 something. Okay, okay. If I were to take this right here, I think this is stainless steel. All right. And I were to throw this out here, unless someone specifically did something to this, in a hundred years, this is going to be roughly in the same exact shape it's in. All right, so maybe some of the paint will come off, but um, it's going to be—you could actually pick it up and use it. I think in a hundred years. All right, sturdy. It's pretty good stuff. All right, in a hundred years. All right, a hundred years. What kind of shape are you going to be in? You probably will have been dead for a while by that time, right? I mean, um, even if medical stuff advances significantly, and how old are you now? Uh, 19. And you make it to 119, all right? Let, let's, just, let's just say you make it to 119. Um, you going to be strong? Probably not, right? You're probably not going to be accomplishing anything. Uh, you're, you're hanging on when you're 119, okay? Uh, this will still be useful, all right? <laughs> Once again, assuming nobody specifically tries to destroy that, like you, to prove me wrong, all right? 
all of that, right, is you're ultimately, and I don't mean this offensively, you're ultimately weak and transient. All right? And this is a very important thing to remember. All right? You're going to pass away. This could be on the way home today. It could be in 50 years or maybe 70 years. All right? It's going to be, chances are, a lot sooner than 100 years. Right? You're ultimately transient. And, uh, of course, this doesn't apply to you only. It also applies to Anthony. All right? <laughs> Just as much to Anthony, as a matter of fact. Uh, and to Samuel. He's younger, but still probably not alive in 100 years. All right? I know I won't be. I'm old. All right? So I know I won't be alive then. You're transient. He's transient. Samuel's transient. Edward's transient. All right? um, and not only that, but you're all incredibly weak. All right, all of you are, as am I, by the way, just to be clear. All right, uh, you have very finite resources. All right, now as a group of people, we could pull our resources and be more powerful. And as a nation, we could pull our resources and be extremely powerful. But also, there could be a pandemic that was worse than the last one that could totally wipe us out. There could be an economic event. There could be massive inflation, all right? Way worse than this. They could just totally destroy this country financially. Gone, all right, in a very short period of time. There could be a few nukes or EMPs dropped that would really just completely change how we do everything, all right? We think even at a large scale, on a nation scale, extremely weak and vulnerable, completely. All right? We feel powerful. We're the most powerful nation in the world. Probably. All right? Most powerful nation in the world could end in no time. All right? And so he's talking to Judah here. All right? You've got horses. You've got chariots. I'm about to destroy you. All right? You've got high walls. You're about to be running for the hills with your idols. And you're going to probably leave them behind for the moles and the bats as you're trying to escape for your life. Because... Actually, no one should take you very seriously from a threat standpoint. The reality is, you're not all that powerful, all right? And everything you've got is contingent upon God's goodwill, all right? Stop regarding man whose, whose mouth is and whose nostrils is breath, all right? How long is your breath going to last? Maybe not long, maybe 70 years, all right? More years. How long is your breath going to last? All right? The dumb rocks out there are going to last longer than you will. All right? Because you've just got breath. All right? So stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. Jesus, in multiple ways, talked about the problems that wealth and power kind of bring. Right? If you pay too much attention to wealth, well, that can go away, all right, and take you away from God. You can only serve, you can either serve one or two, one of thing, one of two things, God or money, all right? You can't serve both. Think about this first critique, and this is where we'll end today. I want you to think about this first critique, and I want you to think about what it is in your life and business, all right? Your career, people you deal with outside of your career, that could draw you away from God. All right? I want you to think about that. And we're going to take a few minutes and just, we're going to think about it for, in quiet. We're not going to talk. We're going to think about it. All right? Because this will give you an element to pray about today. 
This will give you an element to think about in your life that you need to drop. Because I bet most of us have something in our life or some things in our life that we could go, that's not healthy. This could potentially draw me away. Or at least something that we could look at and go, I need that, but it's also problematic. How do I control its influence in my life? Do we need money? We kind of need money. But we really should think about how we let it influence us, right? So take a few minutes and just think for yourself. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled. And Yahweh alone will be exalted in that day. Let's pray that we will humble ourselves so God does not have to humble us. That we will exalt God ourselves because we can do that. We can exalt God and humble ourselves and avoid the discipline. But to do so, we must think to do so. So think about that. Pray about that today. Okay? Grady, will you please close this in prayer? Father, thank you for uh, this time. Thank you for letting us look to your word and learn from it and help us to uh, see what distractions there are, things that um, should be put aside, helps to focus on you and what's important and help us to spend our days well and, uh, in a way that would honor your name. Thank you for the ways you've uh, provided for us and given us uh, uh, godly friends and place to worship. We pray that you would uh, 
continue to be here and help us to grow and edify one another and, and grow into the children you want us to be. And we pray now that you would uh, be with Brother Edward to go into the worship uh, power, help us to focus on you and your greatness and your goodness and help us to focus on what's important. Each day we pray in Jesus' name.